Hello everyone and welcome back to Down the Line. This is episode number 124. I'm Brevin Honda alongside Kyle Betts. It is Thursday, October 24th here. Just a, pro- just a little after 2 o'clock here on the West Coast. How are you doing, Kyle? I'm doing great, Brevin. Another great week of sports that we're about to break down. We have the World Series now decided. You know, first pitch is tomorrow, so... We're so looking forward to that, and we just had, uh, you know, an, another league just tip off with that being the NBA. So, I mean, just, you know, the news and, and you know, the coverage, all these games, I mean, everything just continues here as we uh, go with the sports calendar, and it, it's all fantastic competition that we're ready to break down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like you mentioned, we're a little more than 24 hours away from first pitch of this year's fall classic between the Texas Rangers and the Arizona Diamondbacks, which we're going to touch on. We're going to talk NBA basketball with opening night on Tuesday. We saw some of the stars on Tuesday night, including the reigning champs, the Denver Nuggets, raise the banner um, in the Mile High City. We're going to talk NFL this week, how Kyle... Um, did against Finley last week. Go check our episode out. We had Andrew Finley on um, our entire show last week, episode 123. So go check that out. Um, Finley and I made a trade last week, which we also talked about, and we'll see aftermath here this week. So with that, without further ado, let's get into our fast five. And point number one talks all about the 74-year-old Astros manager and Dusty Baker. He's retiring after 26 total years as an MLB skipper. Yeah, I mean, just such a great career. I mean, everything that he's done for the baseball community, I mean, just as a whole and just as for the world. I mean, just um, seeing what he's accomplished uh, within the sport has been fantastic. Um, So many wins over the course of his career, more than uh, 2,100, 2,183, I believe is the right number for his uh, win total. So, I mean, he's just um, been such a fantastic joy to see um, out there. And uh, I've always loved his demeanor. I mean, that's what, what's always, you know, stuck out to me, you know, chewing on the toothpick, um, doing his thing. And he's winning ball games. Doesn't matter um, what he, what anyone else thinks, you know, of him. So um, he, he's a great guy, a great manager. And, um, I, I think what he's done with the Astros has just been tremendous because they were through such a, you know, rough period there with, with the cheating scandal. And I mean, he was just the, really the only guy who would have been able to help guide them past that. And he did absolutely that. Mm-hmm. Took him to a World Series last year, took him to another ALCS, continue that streak of appearances, uh, getting to reaching the League Championship Series to seven straight years. Um, over the last two seasons, and it's led to Dusty Baker managing 57 postseason wins, and eventually we're going to see him eventually in Cooperstown um, pretty soon down the line. Mm-hmm. All right, we move on to point number two. We go from the diamond to the hardwood. We're going to talk about Dusty Baker and the Astros a little bit later in our show when we look back on the LCS, but we go to the hardwood. We're going to main in the state of Texas, where... Uh, yeah. last year or this past season, the first round pick in Victor Wembanyama from France, he made his highly anticipated NBA debut against the Dallas Mavericks last night on ESPN. He recorded 15 points and five rebounds. Did also record a block 
In 23 minutes of play, he was in foul trouble, so was limited by that from his head coach in Greg Popovich in a 126-119 loss to the Mavericks. Yeah, I mean, I think he still stood out. I mean, he, he was great from three in that game. I believe he hit three threes. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, he's really just been able to show um, how much of a threat he can be offensively. I mean, even his defense, you know, sticking out a little bit there. He had a block in 23 minutes of action. And obviously you want to see more out of him in the future. We absolutely will. Um, but, I, you know, I think if he's out there a little bit more uh, last night, the Spurs have a much better chance of winning that ball game. Um, but, you know, just great to see him finally make his debut. And, um, you know, the, the talk is the talk. And, you know, now he actually has been out there. He's made his debut. Now we just got to see him perform. Mm-hmm. Victor Wimbayama was one of seven Spurs to record double digits. Um, despite losing, Wimbayama did have uh, a plus minus of zero. So right in the middle um, of that mark. All right, we're going to talk more NBA later on in our show as well. We're going to move on now to some NFL. After a brief scare yesterday, Tyreek Hill was back at practice this afternoon. The uh, Dolphins' star wide receiver did not practice yesterday during the team session due to a hip injury. After and this comes after he went into the medical tent last this past Sunday uh, against the Eagles during Sunday Night Football. Yeah, and uh, it kind of just makes you question, you know. Why wasn't he out there yesterday? Um, so pretty interesting there because he, he looked totally fine. And uh, the media portion of practice today that, that was shown on X that, I mean, just videos all over the platform. So, um, yeah, we, we saw him out there doing his thing. And, um, you know, I was thinking about benching him in one of my leagues just because, you know, it, it the, the reports that came out yesterday didn't sound good at all. But he's totally fine. So. I guess it is what it is. Yeah, I think they said that, I think it was Mike Blake Daniels said he'd be out for some time. I can't remember what that actual phrase was. It's turned out to be just one day for the cheetah. Mm-hmm. All right, we're going to move on now from football to football. We're going to talk some soccer here. Champions League was officially in full swing. Kyle, how's, championship, how's Champions League been going so far? Yeah, pretty good. I mean, we had some games this week. It's uh, match day three of the group stage. We had uh, Bayern beat Galatasaray on Tuesday. Another uh, nice result that day that stood out to me was Arsenal winning 2-1 over Sevilla. Um, Man United, obviously I'm a fan of them. They took down down Copenhagen uh, 1-0 in that game. Andre Onana with a big penalty save uh, as the game was winding down was uh, huge for the team to get three points um, in a nice performance there. Um, yesterday, we had a couple nice games as well. A, a big upset was Dortmund. They took down Newcastle 1-0, so uh, a big win for them. Man City doing their thing. They won 3-1. to PSG beat Milan 3-0 as well. So, um, you know, these group stages are uh, really heating up here, Brevin. You got Bayern leading Group A right now, Arsenal on top of Group B. Real Madrid, they lead Group C. Group D is pretty surprising. They have Real Sociedad at the top right now. Inter, same total of points, but they're in second right now. So uh, that's pretty interesting. Another interesting group is uh, Group E. Feyenoord from the Dutch League. They are leading that group. 
over teams like Atletico Madrid and Lazio. I mean, where's where's that coming from right now? Um, PSG, I think they're pretty much surprisingly leading, uh, leading Group F. And Group F, in my opinion, is pretty much the group of death because there are just so many great teams on that uh, table right there. PSG, Dortmund, I mentioned them earlier. Newcastle as well, and Milan. I mean, that is the best group out there. Uh, finishing these last two groups here, Group G, Man City, they are on top of that. Three straight wins for them. It, it's too easy, literally, for them. And Barcelona leads Group H three wins as well. They've only allowed one goal in three games. Hmm. Group stage continues next on uh, Tuesday, November 7th. Um, for some more action there, then I think you get... Um, yeah, just some more group stage at work after that. Mm-hmm. All right, we're going to move on now. We're going to come back to American football, some AP college or some AP top 25 college football right now. We're about nine weeks into the season right now. Um, yeah, it's just been another unpredictable, uh, season of college football. Yeah, it's been fantastic. I mean, we can even uh, get into, you know, the games that are going to happen this weekend for college football. But like you said, Bremen, I mean, some great games that we've seen all throughout. If we want to break down a few members of the top 25 right now that really stand out to me, um, we'll get into that. Um, Georgia, they are number one on this list. I mean, no surprise there. 7-0 record. They play Florida this uh, upcoming weekend. So, should be a good test for them. Uh, Michigan, 8-0. They are second on the AP poll. They are taking on Purdue in two weeks from now, so they have a bye week this upcoming weekend. You got Ohio State at number three, 7-0. They take on Wisconsin this weekend. Florida State, also undefeated, 7-0. They are fourth on this list at Wake Forest this upcoming Saturday. You got Washington, 7-0 at number five. They got a good uh, game coming up against Stanford. I think, um, you know, playing at Stanford is always a test for anyone. So we'll see how Michael Penix comes out in that one. You got Oklahoma. They're also undefeated. The last undefeated team on this list here at number six here on the AP Top 25 poll. They are going to Kansas, and they have a big 9 a.m. game here on the West Coast this upcoming Saturday. So, I mean, those are the teams that really stand out to me got a couple Pac-12 teams on here that are pretty surprising. You got Oregon State at 11, Utah at 13. And uh, I think what stands out to me also here, Brevin, um, you got Air Force and James Madison. I should say they are also undefeated on this AP Top 25 list. You know, uh, coming from group of five uh, conferences, they really stuck out. Uh, Air Force 7-0, they're 19th on this poll. And uh, number 25 overall, you got James Madison out of the Sun Belt, undefeated, 7-0. and Let's go James Madison. Yep. You also got Tulane there at 22. Yeah. Uh, they're 6-1, and one, so another three group of five teams here in the, this week's AP rankings. First among others receiving votes was Florida. So Florida wins. They could find themselves back into the top 25 next week, especially with the uh, college football playoff, their own top 25 rankings coming out. Our first ranking coming out on Tuesday. 
Yeah, and and can you just imagine if Florida pulls off a big upset against Georgia, how high they would actually jump on that poll? I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if they were number 17, 16 yeah. at that point. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, maybe even higher. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it's going to be a great weekend. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You get UCLA, USC right there at 23 and 24 um, within the ranking as well. Duke and Tennessee 2021, just behind Air Force. You get UNC at 17, LSU's at 15, Notre Dame just before that at 14. So that's pretty much a look at this week's AP Top 25 here, week number nine. All right, we're going to move on to some baseball now, some more coaching news in addition to Dusty Baker. Uh, Yesterday, the San Francisco Giants named Bob Melvin their new manager, after the Padres allowed him to interview with their National League West foe. Yeah, I mean, uh, just incredible to see uh, Bob Melvin um, coming out here with, with the latest uh, coaching news here with um, heading to San Francisco. I mean, just, I mean, it's, it's hard to imagine here, Brevin. I mean, when you think about uh, everything that's happened um, leading up to this point, it's it's just it's just sad how it had to be this way and this was the the ultimate outcome yeah i mean you heard bob melvin in his press conference yesterday talk you know it's he enjoyed the fans he enjoyed the team you know enjoyed the city and i think it just i think that part just told you that it was kind of more on the upper management and decisions that they had for this team and didn't really coincide with what um, Bob Melvin really wanted and so uh, Farhan Zaidi wanted to interview with Bob Melvin and that would have been that was their top option to be their next manager yeah and to see the Padres grant permission I mean it was really just the the start of it all there you kind of had that sense you know from, from that point he was gone so that that's exactly how it played out um, yeah just unfortunate yeah so now the Padres are Kind of back to square one on getting a new manager right now. It could be some internal options, whether it's Mike Schilt, Brian Flaherty. Could be some other options as well. I think I've heard uh, uh, Dodgers pitching coach Mark Pryor, possibly. Um, the Padres could reach out to uh, the Miami Marlins for Skip Schumacher. Um after the news surrounding Kim Ng, which we talked about last week. Um, so there's a good amount of options. And I know that AJ is going to look into this offseason, you know, or hopefully by the end of the year, um, Padres are going to name their next manager. So they've got the rest of January and into February before spring training to have this team be in a position to be in the fall classic next year. Definitely. All right, some more coaching news. We go up the five freeway where, according to The Athletic earlier today, Angels pitching coach Matt Wise has accepted the Chicago White Sox's bullpen coach, bullpen coach role. Yeah, I mean, th- this probably should have happened long ago, Brevin, if we're being honest here. Uh, I, I mean, I don't really know what else to say. It, it should have happened long ago. There were talks of this happening two years ago. There were talks of this happening last year. It never happened, and now Matt Wise has finally moved on. And I was on X earlier, and I was looking through the replies on, you know, I think a story from The Athletic, who I think initially broke the story, 
uh, about Matt Wise and his departure from Anaheim. And one, one of the top comments was, you know, when he goes from, you know, being a pitching coach to what is it, a bullpen coaching role, yep. you're kind of going the wrong way there, right? Like, you, <laughs> and I just thought that was yeah. the funniest thing because I, I think it does hold some truth to that. But, I mean, it is what it is. I, I think maybe it's needed for his career anyways. And, uh, yeah, it, it wasn't the best time that he had in Anaheim, but hopefully he's able to, you know, get his career back on the bat, on the right path and become a pitching coach again. And, and we'll see how his career does from there on, because I, I think, you know, the guy, the guys within the bullpen, you know, for the angels, it took a lot of time, but you could see their progression over the course of seasons when, when they were, um, you know, pitching, you know, it, not everything went the angels way, but I think, you know, injuries have really contributed to that these past couple of seasons. Uh, the bullpen has really held it down, and, and I think even the rotation has looked, you know, halfway decent. So, um, yeah, I mean, that, that's all I have to say about Matt Wise, to be honest with you. I mean, he had his ups and downs in Anaheim. Yeah, coaching carousel continues here this offseason, you know, after we heard of uh, Dusty Baker, like we talked about, and now Bob Melvin going up to the barrier. And now Matt Wise now being in the as the bullpen coach for the Chicago White Sox. All right, we move on now. We're talking about the league championship series. Last week we had talked about uh, when we recorded last week Saturday our episode with Andrew Finley. We talked about whether or not this Houston Texas game was going to go six games or seven games as Houston held a three-two lead as the series shifted back to. Uh, Houston, and it turns out this series did give seven as Texas won not only game six in Houston, nine to two, but they also won game seven, 11 to four. I mean, just utter dominance from that lineup. And when you see Adolis Garcia just completely go off the way that he did, that that's inspirational baseball right there. I mean, he is just completely put together the postseason that this Rangers team needed and a couple other guys. So you got Jonah, I am stepping up big time. Um, you know, just that ro- the rotation, that bullpen holding it down. I mean, these guys are, are just well put together. Um, the additions that they've made have definitely paid off and there's no better man than Bruce Bochy to be leading them right now. And he, he's been in the, the situation before. I mean, I would be so confident right now if I'm the Rangers. Mm-hmm. Think about Jordan Montgomery, how well he pitched in this series as well. I think a couple of wins did pitch game one when they won 2-0. Um, yeah, it was just a pretty good series. You had Nathan Eovaldi, and like I mentioned, we saw Max Scherzer start game seven and went two innings, allowing um, two runs. I think it was two and two-thirds, allowing two runs. And so, um, yeah, if you're a Rangers fan, it's a good sight to see him back on the hill, especially for how topsy turvy this season was, you know, getting Jake to De- Grom and then he's injured. And then five months later at the deadline, you acquire Mike Scherzer. And then in September, he gets hurt. And to see him there, it's, and to see this team in the LCS, it's, or in the World Series now, it goes a long way. Yeah. Um, also within this series, we talked about the, uh, 
uh, the fireworks from Game 5, not just with Jose Altuve, Stewart, and Homer, but in the inning before that. Um, Astros reliever Brian Abreu hit Adolis Garcia. This came a couple innings after his Stewart and Homer. And he was ejected along with Dusty Baker and Adolis Garcia. And it turns out he was suspended for two games, which is going to be made up at the start of the 2024 season. Yeah, I mean, it's been a while since we've seen anything like that in, you know, postseason baseball. I mean, I mean, at least this season, we haven't really seen, I believe, really anything like that in the playoffs so far. And so uh, a little bit of a, of a spark there that I, I think both teams kind of fed off of. And tempers are high. And, I mean, just throwing at Adolis Garcia and, and seeing him, you know, really take exception to that. Um, I mean, that, that's that's just uh, the emotion of the game, really, right there, taking over. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so you saw that happen. Supposedly the... um. No, I guess it was deemed that that pitch that hit Garcia was uh, deemed detectable and resulted in that two-game suspension. Uh, speaking of Adolis Garcia, he was also named the LCS, ALCS MVP. He recorded 15 RBIs during this series, the most in a league championship playoff series. Yeah, fantastic. I mean, just... His bat was crazy. He was driving in runs like it was nothing. And I don't even have to say anything when you when you read that total right there. 15 is just unbelievable. Um, he's exactly what they needed right now. He, he's their guy. He's their leader. They got really good ball players with, you know, championship experience as well besides them. You think of uh, a couple of the guys, you know, in that pitching staff. You think about Corey Seager as well. Um, j- just guys who have been through it all um, in terms of, you know, playoff experience and, and even guys who haven't necessarily been at that point thus far. I mean, th- this team is a collective of guys just buying in no matter how young or old they are, and they're just playing really good ball. Mm-hmm. And then you think about on uh, the National League Championship side, it was kind of like a mirror in the way these two series went. You had one team win the first two games, and then you had – um, two teams in the next, the other team in the next two games. You had the Phillies started hot at home, winning the first two games, 5 3, 10 nothing. And then when the series shifted to to Arizona, that's when the D backs really started to come alive, winning 2 1, winning 6 5, a couple of run around ball games. And so, Philly, they took game five. And so, then you had game six Monday and Tuesday of this past week, and, and the Arizona Diamondbacks on the road in Philly, won this series and maybe even forced uh, the Mad Dog, Christopher Russo, into retirement with um, their couple of wins and a trip to the World Series. Yeah, I mean, that's an important point there. We'll see if he actually lives up to his word. But, no, I mean, this is just a fantastic ball club here, the Diamondbacks. I mean, they, they just figure it out. And I think for them, it, it's mostly – their bullpen, I think that stands out to me. I mean, at the end of the day, they've got guys who just perform night in and night out, and they can do it consistently. And that's so important to have. Um, you, you think of guys like Kevin Ginkle and, and Paul Seawall. I mean, just 
uh, just throwing nasty stuff. And when you have that, it's such a luxury. And I think what Tori Lavillo has, has done is just with a lot of these these starters, I mean, he's taken them out a lot earlier than they, they want to go out. But he has so much trust in his bullpen to get the job done, and they're doing it. So, I mean, I guess it's working, despite the starters maybe not going necessarily as far as we expect them to. Yeah, you mentioned Paul Stewart, Kevin Eagle, two big pieces. You think about Brandon Fott, you know, some of those back-end starters that have been helping out that bullpen, you know, especially in the series when the D-backs had to rely on their bullpen for an entire game and to use those bullpen games um, as ways to win. You know, we saw it here um, in this series. And you see um, offensively, the MVP was Cattell Marte, had that big walk-off RBI single in game three off Craig Kimbrell and was just continuing to just hit, hit, hit. Um, as this series went along. Yeah, that man's a beast. He just can't do any wrong. You know, he's just a guy who you can always rely on, kind of similar to Luis Arias. I'm not saying they're the same player, but, I mean, just the way that they deliver on a consistent basis, I mean, it's just so great to see. And Cattell Marte really showed out the series, definitely deserving of being in that spot. I mean, he, he does everything right defensively as well. I mean, he's just a great ball player, great IQ. Um, he's an all-star for a reason, and he's the leader that this team needs right now. No one thought they would be here, but he's a, a massive reason of why they are. And, I mean, this upcoming World Series is, is going to be huge because, I mean, you, you think about these two players that you mentioned, the MVPs of both league championship series. I'm just excited to see how they perform on the bigger stage. Yeah, and so with that, it's the first time in Major League history that both road teams won both games six and seven to reach the World Series. Now we get that World Series matchup between the Arizona Diamondbacks and the Texas Rangers. Texas Rangers first game is on Friday, uh, five o'clock p.m. Pacific time. All uh, 5 o'clock p.m. Pacific time for all seven games. It's obviously game 5, 6, and 7 if we need those games. uh, First two games are at Global Life Field in Arlington, Texas. Games 3 and 4 are Monday and Tuesday in Arizona. And with the way the way or with the way the schedule lines up, you're going to be seeing Ace go up against Ace. So you're going to see Zach Gallon. You're going to see um you know, they're number two. You're going to see Jordan Montgomery. You're going to see um, these stars go head-to-head, you know, head-to-head. Oh, head. Yeah, we are. And I'm definitely looking forward to it. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Um, you know, just the way these two teams match up, I don't know really what to expect because, I mean, I haven't really thought about this matchup before. Um, how they really line up against each other, you know, how, how their lineups are positioned. Um, Texas, you know, favored to win this series as they should. Um, the more complete team, I mean, they have more talent. But the Diamondbacks this postseason, I think they've had the most passion. They've delivered the most. Uh, they've been more clutch than any other team. And uh, that's the October magic that you need to make it through and, surprise everyone so i don't it's 
it's going to be a really tough series to predict because I think the D-backs still have a lot more in them than people are actually giving them credit for. Uh, what do you think so? one player to watch in this series not named the LCS MVPs? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, it's it's tough to pick one, but I think if the I think the Rangers, I, I think ultimately I'll say my prediction right now. I think the Rangers ultimately will win the series, um, but if they do so, it's going to have to be because of a guy like Corey Seager or Marcus Simeon. I think you know both of these guys, you know. So much playoff experience, you know, previously. Uh, Marcus Simeon coming over, you know, from, from Toronto. You know, he, he's been in some big games before. Um, he has a lot of uh, veteran uh, leadership under his belt in, in that regard as well. I mean, he, he's been in a few different clubhouses now, and he's seen how things have gone. He, he's, he's a great professional. Um, you sign him to that big deal because you expect big performances out of him, so he's got to deliver here. I think Corey Seager is another guy who already has shown the player who he is. I, I, I mean, he's, he's fantastic, but um, I think we need something a little special from him this series as well. So I think um, both of those guys um, you should definitely look out for because I think uh, if they want to make a name for themselves, you know, it, this is the time for to do it. I mean, they already have made names for themselves, obviously, but I think if they want to uh, etch themselves in history, I should say, uh, potentially being a World Series MVP, you got to have some big performances, and they have the potential to do it. Corey Seager already have an experience of winning a World Series in Texas. Did that in 2020 yep. uh, with the Dodgers during the COVID uh, playoffs when that was held in Texas. Yeah, I mean it's so ironic that he's playing back there again, and uh, I mean so soon. I mean as well. I mean just three years removed and. He's found himself in some great situations. Mm-hmm. Part you, mm-hmm. Yeah, when you think about on the other side for the D-backs, I think the biggest name that stands out, it's one of the rookies, but it's not Alec Thomas. It's not Corbin Carroll. It's I think it's the big piece that they got in that trade with Toronto and Gabriel Moreno behind the plate. You know, all the things mm-hmm. that he's went through this season. He took a big hit from Bryce Harper um, in Game 7. Took plenty of bats to the shoulder, to the helmet throughout these playoffs, and we're seeing him st- still continue to be a productive piece, both behind the plate and in the box. And we're seeing that we've been seeing that this entire um, series. You've been seeing this this entire playoffs, and so I think that's really the name to watch um, from the D backs. All right. Kyle's got the Rangers. Kyle, how many games do you think the Rangers are going to win this series in? Yeah, I think, uh, I don't know. I, I really want to see it go at least six games. You know, if we could get a game seven, I would love that. Uh, I'm going to say six games, though, in favor of Texas, unfortunately. I mean, I, I am rooting for the D-backs at heart, but I think I think this Texas team is, is just – so well put together and, and so well disciplined and coached. And uh, Bruce Bochy is uh, is back here for a reason. I mean, uh, take, taking that time away from the game and just showing up again and delivering is, is all I needed to see. All right. 
me, when I think about this matchup, the Rangers have never won a World Series. They came close in 2011. I think they were two, one or two strikes away from winning the World Series. But that's when David Freeze had that big triple in the ninth inning um, as a member of the Cardinals. Yeah. Um, the D-backs, they won a World Series on a walk-off by Luis Gonzalez in 2001. Uh, Mariano Rivera at Chase Field. Wow. Um, so that all comes into mind here. I think I'm going to lean the Rangers here. I think I'm going to go Rangers in six. But I, even if this game does go seven, I'll still take Rangers in seven if it goes up. Yeah. All right. So that is our look at the Major League Baseball World Series. When we talk next week, we're going to either either A, see how this series is going, or B, we might be talking about who wins this World Series between the Rangers and the D-backs. All right. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk some NBA basketball, a new or a NBA star getting a brand new contract. We're going to talk opening night. We're going to talk NFL. We're going to talk fantasy football. All when we come back here. So stay tuned here on Down the Line. What's up, everyone, and welcome back to Down the Line. This is episode number 124, recording this on October 26th. This is a Thursday. It is 3 o'clock on the dot right now here in the afternoon. We are just getting going here with our episode. My name is Kyle Betts. As always, joined by Brevin Honda. We started our Fast Five earlier in the show to kick things off with uh, talking uh some MLB, some uh, NBA as well, some NFL and some soccer. We also got more into uh, Major League Baseball, talking some coaching news, everything that we've seen with Bob Melvin and Matt Wise and their respective roles, new roles that they are now entering. We got into the ALCS and NLCS, the winners of those series, obviously being the Rangers and Diamondbacks, leading into the World Series, kicking off tomorrow. But now we're going to switch things up and we're going to get into the latest involving the NBA. And firstly, I think one of the biggest things that we saw this week, Brevin was uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo and the Milwaukee Bucks agreeing on a three-year $186 million contract extension on Tuesday. That includes a player option for the ensuing season, that being 2027 and 28. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a big deal. I think it goes through the duration of also um, newcomer Damian Lillard's contract as well. Um, so you're gonna get to see those play, um, those three, those two players play with each other for the next few years. And you think about Giannis already entering um, his eleventh season after this contract. It's gonna be fourteen, fifteen, depending on it. You know, this could be a player that we see play for his entire career for one team. Absolutely. I think he's in a position to do that. And I think if they keep surrounding him with talent, just like they have, they'll keep building that roster up to the very top. So I think you're absolutely right. Mm -hmm. 
Think about Giannis. He's an NBA champion, a finals MVP, a two-time regular season MVP, defensive player of the year, seven-time All-NBA, seven-time All-Star, as well as a member of the NBA 75th anniversary team, a five-time All-Defensive team selection, most improved player, and is the Bucks' all-time leader in points, assists, blocks, triple-doubles, and games played. Yeah, I mean, he's just outstanding. Everything that he brings that uh, to Milwaukee, you know, just seeing what he does on a nightly basis is astounding. So he, he's going to continue to do that and be the face of that city and the staple of that franchise. Mm-hmm. Uh, Giannis and the Bucks open their season tonight um, in about an hour and a half. Um, against the Philadelphia 76ers. And later tonight, we also get the Phoenix Suns taking on the Los Angeles Lakers opening night with 48 hours ago on Tuesday as the reigning champions at Denver Nuggets took down the Los Angeles Lakers 119-107 in the season opener. And then in the second game of the year, it was a little closer as the Suns defeated the Warriors on the road 108-104. Yeah, I mean, uh, it was a great opening night of basketball. I mean, we saw what, you know, really all these teams are capable of and um, who they could be, you know, over the course of the season. I mean, all these teams are going to continue to get better, and so will these players. And uh, just to see the return of basketball was great. And, you know, it's it's been such a long time um, seeing those guys on the floor and seeing some guys, you know, on new teams as well. I mean, even last night, um, I was watching uh, the Wizards game, and now Jordan Poole is looking to be the leading scorer on that team pretty much night in and night out. So, I mean, we, we've seen so much change even happen in the offseason uh, for the NBA, and now it's uh, finally coming into play as this new season is here. You think about, yeah, you mentioned those new players and new teams. Kyle, you think about even for the Lakers, you know, they kept most of their pieces they had from last year. What do you think are the expectations for this Lakers team here in 2023-2024? Yeah, I think it's solidifying a spot in the postseason and not making it a struggle like you have in years prior. I mean, now with this Lakers team, they have more depth than they've ever had before. Uh, Gabe Vincent is one of their six-man candidates. I mean, he's finally a guy they have that can come off the bench and provide a spark and shoot from distance if they need him to. So uh, he's going to have a big role this year. Hopefully he does fulfill it because they need it. And, uh, I mean, other than him, I would say, you know, what's important for them is is their big man depth. They've really uh, focused on that and what they've been trying to do to help Anthony Davis down low. I think uh, they're going to be able to do so with what they've done, the moves that they've made, uh, adding a guy like Jackson Hayes on that roster. you got Rui Hashimura. He can – you know, step up and, and play big if he needs to. He can kind of really stand up to anyone. So to have him still around as well is, is huge, for, I think, for this team. And Christian Wood, uh, just bringing him in, a guy with plenty of uh, experience playing in the league, um, he's looking to get better. And I, I think, you know, he, he could have a pretty significant role in the Lakers if he's able to do that. So, yeah, I mean, they're in a good spot. Um, but just winning early on in the year. Is huge, and so they're going to have to find some wins. You think this Lakers team can get past the conference finals, like how they did this past season? 
I don't know. I think that's a pretty high expectation, especially, you know, when you consider the Western Conference. I mean, even the East now is uh, more competitive than it was last year, too. So I think with that in mind, and with that being said, you know, the, these teams that are vying for top spots in the NBA and, and as the postseason goes on, um, getting back to the conference finals is, is no easy feat. So um, I think they, they could, it's possible, but I would say it's pretty, I would say it's unlikely. That's going to be hard to do that. All right. That pretty much transition transitions nicely into our preseason predictions. Kyle, who do you have as an NBA champion this year? Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, so many good teams and uh, just so many different options that you could choose from. I mean, when you think about different teams that are coming out of the East and uh, the West for the NBA, I mean, it, it's pretty much loaded on, on both sides. And so um, I think that a team that has a really good chance is Boston Celtics, what they've been able to add to their team, um, the pieces that they've got. Um, that puts them in a great spot to potentially come out on top. I mean, you think about some other teams as well. The Bucks could be up there. The Nuggets looking to repeat as well. I could definitely see that. Um, but Revan, if I had to guess, I mean, honestly, for me, it's it's kind of hard to to say against the Bucks or kind of pick against them. I should say because. I mean, the moves that they've made, the depth that they have on their on their roster, uh, they're coached so so well. I mean, they're a team that is looking to compete every year and make a deep run. I mean, they just got to get past. I think the Celtics. I think that's that's what's key, especially um, in the postseason, like we expect these two teams to be in uh, in making deep runs. I mean, that, that's really all it comes down to for me. I think to another. Um, team to think about in that Eastern Conference would be the Miami Heat, although we just talked about um, Davis and with him being on the Lakers, how much does that affect the Heat? I mean, they were um, you know, just one win away from being in the conference final, being in the finals um, you know, against the Nuggets, and so that'd be another team to watch. I mean, in the West, you got so many different teams that has the opportunity to be there in addition to the Nuggets, I mean, you got teams you mentioned, um, you know, in addition to Denver, you got possibly the Lakers. The Warriors are always going to be in that mix when you got Draymond, Steph, and Clay. Um, you know, if Luka and Kyrie can somehow take that next step, you know, whatever that next step is, maybe there's a chance for them. Um, you know, that'd be the key for them. Phoenix wants to get back there. They get Frank Vogel now as their new head coach. So um, that'd be another interesting team to watch, though, I think. But it'll come down to pretty much those four teams. Denver, the Lakers, um, Phoenix, and Golden State. Mm -hmm. Kyle, any sleeper teams you think so far this year? Yeah, I mean, I, I think, like I said, the West has got a couple of teams that could really stand out. I think one of those teams could potentially be the Oklahoma City Thunder. I think they have a lot of talent on that team, a lot of young guys who are looking to uh, really prove themselves. And uh, to see a healthy Chet Holmgren is something that um, I think is important for them because he's hoping to get better 
um, and get more experience out there. Um, I think potentially another team that could maybe turn some heads, maybe even the Indiana Pacers. Um, when you consider their roster, I mean, it's it's pretty intriguing. It's full of some guys who have some good experience uh, in the league and some guys who don't, um, some who have been role players in the past. Um, I think their makeup is is pretty interesting, and, and they're coached by Rick Carlisle, who has, has been around for quite some time. So um, I think they could potentially make a playoff run as well. Um, and I think, of course, the Spurs, you got to look out for them. Um, Victor Wembanyama, he will only get better from here. He's going to get more minutes than he did uh, last night in the future. So obviously, he's he's going to have to be the uh, main uh, go-to guy for this team. They got uh, other pieces as well. Devin Vassell, he just got that big contract, so he's he's looking to earn his worth. And then um, you got Kellen Johnson as well, a guy with potential All-Star future, maybe. In the, I mean, we could see that maybe down the road in his career, but um, he's a guy who needs to continue to get better if they want to have a chance. I think they could be a sleeper team, but we'll see. Yeah, I think about Memphis. You know, obviously their playoff run last year before John Morant got hurt and losing to the Warriors in that series. Um, you know, if they can take that next step with Taylor Jenkins as their head coach um, once again this year. I think every single year you question if New Orleans can ever take that next step because of Zion Williams and his health. Um, you know, just you know, just seeing him on the floor makes him that much different for this team, for that Suns team, for that Pelicans team. Also, got to include the Sacramento Kings on there. You know that seven game series that they had against the Warriors that was only lost because Steph Curry had a 50-point game, seven playoff game <laughs> last year. Um, I think if there's any other sleeper teams in the East, I think there's two that you didn't mention, Kyle, maybe Cleveland mm-hmm. uh, with Donovan Mitchell and the whole crew there with Darius Garland. Yep. And I think the other team... Mm, Maybe Atlanta with Trey Young, possibly, but even though I think it's primarily more Cleveland and um, Indiana, like you mentioned. Agreed. Mm-hmm. All right, so that's a look at our NBA look right now. We'll continue talking the NBA. We get the in-season tournament coming up beginning next week, I'm pretty sure it is. Um, So all the teams, they get used to playing in the season used to getting used to getting adjusted to the regular season before the NBA in-season cup uh, begins in a couple weeks, the in-season tournament. All right, we're going to move on now to the NFL. Let's get to our three up, three down from the uh, previous week. Kyle, you want to kick things off? Yeah, so I will start with my first point here, and that is going to be Deontay Foreman. I mean, this guy had a great week. Um, didn't get off the, the start that he wanted to uh, necessarily in his first week. I think he scored a touchdown, but um, he was only waking up really uh, at that point because um, this week what he's been able – he didn't even – actually, he didn't even score last week, um, but completely amassed, surpassed his total this week. Um, two touchdowns scored in this game. 
he had three catches as well, and uh, he had 16 carries for 89 yards on the ground. I mean, if you're the Bears and you get uh, five and a half yards on the ground out of your backup, I mean, that's pretty good. So he really stood out this week, and uh, I think uh, he's going to have a big role in this offense in the future. Mm-hmm. That is a good selection there, and Deonta Foreman. For me, I'm going to go with the parity within this league so far. I mean, yeah, we see the, you know, I think it was last year we saw the Vikings get to 8-0. We don't have an undefeated team uh, this year so far. or We don't have an an undefeated team right now in the NFL. Uh, the two best records are 6-1. and one. You get, I think, is that six teams, five, six teams at 5-2. And, and you got a whole bunch there at 4-2 and 3-3 and three and 3-4. And so you see all the parity and making this... Um, postseason race a little bit more um inviting and more pressure filled um as we get you know as we're a little over one third of the season approaching the halfway point and approaching this trade deadline so i'm gonna take the nfl parody here uh with this next one i like that all right i'll go next and i here am going to go with foyasad oluokun i think he's had uh, a really great uh, season so far, but I think even more so last week he really stood out. Um, coming in uh, from uh, Atlanta just a couple of seasons ago, he's really made a, na- a name for himself now in uh, Jacksonville, and he looked really good last week. Um, 14 total tackles in that game. He had a pick six in, uh, against the Saints, I should have said. That was back on Thursday Night Football, and during that game, uh, it was this complete d- domination, I mean, for the most part, um, from the Jaguars, at least on Derek Carr. I mean, Taysom Hill did his thing, but in that game, it was a lot of checkdowns to Alvin Kamara, and that was because of the Jaguars' defense really locking down those receivers. So, yeah, I mean, he, he was a big reason of why that Saints offense uh, had a hard time at times. Figures mm-hmm. might the Jags have won are five and two right now and top that AFC South. All right, for me, I'm going to go with the tight ends here. This past week was National Tight Ends Day or National Tight Ends Week. Um, and we saw, wait, I count three, six, nine. We saw 11 different tight ends record at least double digit fantasy points with Travis Kelsey leading the way, 12 catches, 179 yards and a touchdown on 13 targets, accumulating 35.9 fantasy points. Darren Waller and Mark Andrews each totaled 22 points. TJ Hawkinson, um, Dallas Goddard, Taysom Hill, Dalton Kincaid, all scored between 15 and 19 points. Then you had George Kittle, Gerald Everett, Sam Laporta, and David Njoku scored between 10 and 13 points. And it tells you just how much tight ends really loved um, this past week in the NFL. Yeah, definitely. I mean, tight ends make such a huge difference, and uh, that that's showing off with those guys that you just named. Mm-hmm. That's my pick there. All right, Kyle, who is your final pick here of the three up? Yeah, I'm going to go with the Rams rookie receiver, Puka Nakua, once again. I mean, this this guy is just unbelievable. Uh, averaging more than 19 yards a catch against the Steelers last week. He had eight for 154 yards. 
and he just continues to be on a tear. Um, obviously, uh, a couple weeks ago against the Cardinals, his uh, catch total uh, and his target figures kind of slowed down significantly to what they had been in the previous weeks, but he bounced back and uh, he, he's still a big part of that offense despite Cooper Cup being there. So, yeah, I mean, it's just huge to see him continue to grow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good selection there with Puka Nakua. I'm going to go with another rookie receiver in uh, my, or Minnesota's. Jordan Addison has had to step up in the absence of Justin Jefferson, and we saw that especially on a Monday night, Seven receptions, 124 yards, and two touchdowns um, this past week uh, against the 49ers. Did have, uh, I think he had Tardavis Ward on him. And I think it was the first pass that he had gotten was picked off by Tardavis Ward. And then we saw just before the half in a two-minute drill. Kirk Cousins underthrew the ball. Tardavis Ward looked like he had it in his hands, but before he went down... Jordan Addison snatched the ball away from him and ran down the field for a 60-yard touchdown and helped the Vikings win that game 22-17 and what people call that an upset win for the Vikings. Mm-hmm. All right, so that concludes our three-up portion. Kyle's got Deontay Foreman of the Chicago Bears. Also got Foyasad Alulaquan from the Jacksonville Jaguars and Puka Nakua from the LA Rams. For me, for my three-up, I got the parity within the NFL, the tight ends, and Vikings wide receiver Jordan Addison. All right, let's get to our three-down, Kyle. Who, where do you want to kick us off with? Yeah, I will start with the um, Las Vegas Raiders here. And, I mean, this is just a team that is – I think poorly coached. I mean, at sometimes it seems like they have no idea what they're doing. And uh, I think the big question here is, uh, I mean, how do you bounce back from losing 30 to 12 to the one win bears? I mean, it just doesn't make any sense why Brian Hoyer is starting this game. He threw two picks, only 129 passing yards. I mean, you got to throw your rookie Aiden O'Connell out there. I mean, you drafted him for a reason and, at this point, you don't really have anything to lose after a performance like that from Brian Hoyer. So uh, hopefully they, they make the right decision and uh, play AOC in the future. But uh, Jimmy Garoppolo coming back this week for the Raiders, they're three and four right now. And uh, to even have a chance remotely, they, they need to get a win this week to get back on track. Mm-hmm. All right, for me, I'm going to take the team that is averaging five more yards than the Las Vegas Raiders. I'm going to go to the Green Bay Packers. The Packers are averaging just 289.8 total yards per game. That ranks, let's see, three, six, seventh worst um, in the NFL, only five yards but ahead of the uh, Las Vegas Raiders. And you just see kind of the challenges that this Packers team has been going through as they adjust to Jordan Love being the full-time starting quarterback um, up in Green Bay. We saw them, um, you know, we saw them play Denver. We saw them, um, you know, they they lost that, or, yeah, despite coming back and beating the Saints, 
They lost to Denver this past week at Mile High, so Kyle's happy about that. Uh, lost to the Raiders as well two weeks before that. Lost 34-20 to the Rams. They lost 4-5 since their week two one-point loss to Atlanta 25-24. All right, Kyle, who's next up on your three down? Yeah, great pick there, Revan. I'm going to go next with uh, Chris Olave. Um, pulled over and arrested, I believe, uh, for speeding the other night. And he was going, I, I believe, nearly 70 miles per hour in a 35-mile-per-hour zone. So not what you like to see from your rookie receiver if you're the Saints by any means. And uh, hopefully he learns from it. But, yeah, I mean, e- even on the field, Brevin, Chris Olave, I mean, I, I think – the frustration that we saw from Derek Carr from Derek to uh, Olave on the field uh, was pretty significant. I mean, obviously, um, when you think about what happened um, between Carr and Olave on the field, um, Thursday Night Football, uh, just miscommunication at one point, and uh, I believe a Jaguars player was mic'd up, and they caught uh, Derek Carr yelling at Olave saying, keep running, what are you doing? So, um, obviously, some frustration there, maybe a little bit of animosity uh, in that locker room. But, I mean, just, yeah, Olave and the Saints offense as a whole not looking great. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with a team in the same division. I'm going to go with the Atlanta Falcons here and primarily focus this on Bijan Robinson because supposedly he was taken with the eighth overall pick in the draft this past April out of Texas and and against the Buccaneers, although this team, although this Falcons team won on a last second field goal by Young Wei Koo, um, Bijan Robinson only had one carry. What was that? One carry for three yards. Now, something's up with Bijan. The Falcons supposedly didn't specifically say what was wrong with him, didn't report anything wrong, and so it's like there's something wrong with him if he's only getting one for three, one carry for three yards when you drafted him eighth overall there. So something's gotta something needs to happen. Um, you in Atlanta with Arthur Smith. Yeah, they said he wasn't feeling well, so yeah, who who knows if that was the case or not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As a result, the uh, Falcons are then relying on Desmond Ritter as their quarterback. <laughs> yeah. And him running. He had the only rushing touchdown uh, for the Falcons in a 16-13 victory. That was the only touchdown the Falcons had as they had three field goals to, to pull off the win oh. over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Oh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, Kyle, who do you have concluding your three down? Yeah, I'm going to go here with uh, Amari Cooper. And, uh, you know, this is a guy who I've, I've spoken about here in the past. And <laughs> it seems like each and every time, you know, it, it's something new with Amari Cooper each and every week. And that's not a knock on him by any means, but I, I just mostly mean that in that you just never really know what you're going to get out of him. You truly have no idea. 
And, you know, I have a theory that Amari Cooper just, when he's on the road, he just never plays well. He just, he just never has a great stat line or anything. So his last game against the Indianapolis Colts, the Browns come out on top, 39-38. So if you didn't watch that game, you're like, okay, wow, high-scoring game. It was a shootout. So many points in this game. I can't wait to check my fantasy team and see how many points Amari Cooper put up. And then he only you, you check it and he only puts up 4.4. You're like, how is that even possible? How does that happen? I don't know. That wasn't me, by the way. I was I was just kind of saying that. But yeah, um, two catches, 22 yards for Amari Cooper. Um, a week after having four catches for 108, that comes a week after having one catch for 16 yards. And that came a week after having having seven catches for 116. And touchdown. So it's it's just like you, you never know what you're going to get from this guy. Um, you don't know if he's going to get targeted. Uh, obviously, no Deshaun Watson is affecting him a little bit. But at the end of the day, is it? Because even with Deshaun Watson, he was still putting up inconsistent numbers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that 4 for 108 came against the Giants in that 19-17 win. Um Luckily, his offensive snap percentage has actually increased. <laughs> Was it 62% at the beginning of the year in week one? Now it's 88%. So, you know, it's not that. It's probably just him not getting, uh, the, uh, probably just not catching the ball. Um, whether it's on the quarterback or it's him dropping the ball. It does have, does have at least six targets in every game, including eight targets in three of his last four. So... Uh, yeah, the volume's just got to come around and got to improve that reception target share. Um, get that closer to at least fifty percent where it was the previous week against the Giant or against the against the Forty Niners. Mm-hmm. All right, for me to round out this uh three down, I'm gonna go with the Buffalo Bills here. I think this is a team that they still might have jet lag from from when they went to London. <laughs> Yeah, I mean they they lost to Jacksonville twenty five twenty. They they snuck by with a win against the Giants fourteen to nine, um, in prime time. And then we saw this past week they lose to a Patriots team that um hasn't been producing um to what we expect the Patriots to have been doing. And so I think the losing twenty nine twenty five, it's been. Difficult here. I think the key thing for the Bills, I think it's been their defense with their injuries. You see your Davious White injured, Matt Milano hurt. It's like one after another, these players are getting hurt. This week, it's Dawson Knox, their tight end, going on injured reserve with wrist surgery. And so it's just one after another that these injuries are killing this Bills team who are right now four and three facing the Bucks. um, facing the Bucks in about two hours at home. They get to, they're going to Cincinnati next week for Sunday Night Football. Then they play, um, Monday Night Football eight days after that against the Broncos, and then they play the Jets. So, and this is the Bills team that they got to turn around if they want to be one of the powerhouses in the NFL. And I think the biggest thing has been, Oh, I think it was their plays when it's short down yardage. So like 
second and five, third and three, you know, plays like that where they just haven't been where they were. And I think part of it is I don't think um, Josh Allen has been running that much more than in years past. So I think that's kind of been the difference here. So, but I think this Bills team, they can turn it around. We've seen them turn things around. I mean, this was a team that lost three games all of last season, and they're already here um, entering week nine or entering week eight. So, yeah, um, yeah I think this Bills team can turn it around with the personnel. They got Dalton Kincaid to be their tight end one. It's who they drafted in the first round out of Utah back in April. Um, so, yeah, this Bills team should turn around. They've got Josh Allen. They got Stephon Diggs, Gabe Davis. Um, but yeah, they gotta turn things around. Mm-hmm. All right, so that's our three up, three down. I've got the Bills, B. John Robinson, and the Green Bay Packers. Kyle's got the Raiders, the Saints offense, including Chris Olave and uh, Amari Cooper. All right, we go on to fantasy football. Let's look back at Week Seven in our fantasy league. Remember last week we had Andrew Finley join our show. He had faced Kyle. This past week, and it was once again the AJ Brown show for Kyle. He recorded his third. Uh, AJ Brown recorded his third, uh, twenty-plus point performance in the last four games with ten receptions for 137 yards and a touchdown to help Kyle get a 139-114 victory over Finley, and also moved into sole possession first place by extending that winning streak to four. Yeah, Brevin, I mean, just another great week. And I, I say it all the time, but this, my fantasy team here in our league is just very fun. It's a fun roster, and uh, I think, you know, um, it might get even more fun depending on a pending tray that we could break down here in just a few moments. But, yeah, I mean, just it, it's been astounding seeing how this team has panned out. I think the combination of TJ Hawkinson and Josh Allen – um, has been massive in terms of consistency. And you mentioned it, uh, A.J. Brown just tearing it up each and every week has been huge. Um, Jamar Chase now uh, coming back this week uh, off of a bye week is, is going to be massive for the roster as well, um, especially now that I play the second-place team that we'll touch on in a second. Just to give you an idea of Kyle's team and where they're ranked by position, Josh Allen is QB1. Uh, TJ Hogginson, tight end 2. AJ Brown, wide receiver 3. Jamar Chase, wide receiver 8. Both Jamar Chase and AJ Brown are averaging more than 20 points per game out of that wide receiver position. Yeah, and, you know, Brevin, it, 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 it's always tough. It's always tough to decide, you know, who, who you're going to necessarily take. Um, at number two overall in your fantasy draft. Um, but getting Jamar Chase second overall, but then waiting all the way until 19th, I mean, it, it's it's crazy to think A.J. Brown fell all the way to, to 19th in our fantasy draft. I mean, just um, obviously teams had, had different wants and needs at that point, but, man, it, to put that in perspective, it, it's wild. Mm-hmm. And then for me... I also pulled off a win, but it was fueled by both Addison and Jimmer Gibbs combining for 58.9 fantasy points 
Jordan Addison, 31.3 fantasy points. Talked about him during our three up. Jameer Gibbs, 27.6 fantasy points. Add in the veteran tight end, Mark Andrews, recording two touchdowns for 22.3 fantasy points and a 147 to 120 win over Jack Mulmud. Addison finished as top scorer uh, among wide receivers this week, and Gibbs finished as the RB3. Yeah, I mean, just it, it's crazy to see how those rookies panned out and how you had both of them. I mean, it's always so difficult to da- to gauge a rookie in fantasy football, but these guys have, have panned out, and Brevin, you've been patient with them, especially um, for, you know, when you consider how, how they've had to reach this opportunity that they both have collectively, you know, gotten. It, it's great. And so uh, taking advantage of that, Finally getting you some dubs is massive. Mm-hmm. Longest winning streak of the year is now two. There <laughs> you go. Uh, what was key, though, it was early on. Um, it was about Sunday, about 10.30, 30 minutes in. This was after Alvin Kamara put up nearly 30 points on Thursday Night Football. Lamar Jackson was already up to, like, 20 points through, like, 30 minutes because he scored um, – like three touchdowns early. Yeah. And I was like, and like, I was already down by like 40, 50 points. I was like, okay, this might not be the week where uh, we pull out a win. But next thing you know, Stefan Diggs scored a touchdown. Mark Andrews had not one, but two touchdowns, like I mentioned. Um, Isaiah Pacheco had that big eight yard receiving touchdown caught in pretty much that screenplay late in the fourth quarter, that final touchdown of that game. And then you had Jameer Gibbs, you know, at 27, and I was like, all right, we're in a good spot. That uh, that Jameer Gibbs touchdown, or actually that Isaiah Pacheco touchdown, gave me the lead heading into Monday night, a two-point lead, still with Jordan Addison, and Jack having Alexander Madison. And Jordan Addison outscored Alexander Madison by 25 points. Yeah. And pull off that win. Unreal, dude. Mm-hmm. So with that, uh, let's see. Kyle's in sole possession of first place at six and one. I am in sole possession of seventh place right now at three and four. So Kyle and I are opposite sides of the postseason picture right now. Seven weeks in, currently three games back of Kyle for first place. And with that came both of Kyle and I's. Highest scoring week this season. Yeah, I mean, uh, this is a huge matchup I got this weekend. Uh, Once again, second place, Amber Salas. Best in the Midwest, her team, five and two. It's going to be a tough challenge. But um, I think we can handle it. And uh, it it just kind of depends on what I do. The roster decisions I make. And, uh, you know, who I should put in my starting lineup, who I might not. Um, I'll say this right now. Uh, I did propose a trade before our show started, and, and Brevin knows about it. Um, yeah. I'm trying to trade with Devin Watley right now. I'm trying to receive Travis Etienne for Damian Pierce, Zach Moss, and Terry McLaurin. I feel like I can get rid of those guys. Uh, Devin needs some running backs. Uh, obviously, uh He's getting rid of one with ETN, but he'll he'll get uh, an additional one, and 
who doesn't want Scary Terry on their team? So we'll see what he ultimately decides or if he counters. But uh, I think we'll let you know next week because, uh, yeah, I mean, this could be a a trade with big implications. Mm -hmm. Kyle is going up against Christian McCaffrey and Kenneth Walker III as Amber's two running backs. Kenneth Walker III is right now questionable. Um, Garrett Wilson and Jacoby Myers are those two receivers with Kyle Pitts. Right now at tight end, Brandon Ayuk is in Amber's flex position with the Seahawks defense and Jake Elliott. Um, at the kicker's position, it's projected right now to be a high-scoring matchup. Kyle's projected for 133.2. Amber's projected for 127.7. Yeah, we'll see how it plays out, man. Mm-hmm. And then, let's see, for me... Uh, as I ho- look to get this winning streak to three and get to 500 for the first time, back to 500. Um, I've got Trevor Lawrence back in the QB spot. Looked that knee looked pretty well last week, getting 18 points off the bench. Um, and now I had seven plus uh, four days to get ready for this matchup in Pittsburgh. Um, Isaiah Pacheco. And Tony Pollard, those two RBs there. Uh, Stefan Diggs and Jordan Addison right now. Those two receivers. Mark Andrews at tight end. Jameer Gibbs right now with the flex. Just because of when that game is scheduled to take place on Monday Night Football. Followed mm-hmm. by the Saints defense. And right now, Justin Hopkins as that kicker over Daniel Carlson. Yeah. All right, so I'm facing the Las Vegas Limos in Luis Lopez. Luis is trying to get that first win of the year. He's got picked up Jared Goff this week. Uh, the free agent market, he's got Austin Eckler and Josh Jacobs as his two running backs, DK Metcalf and Calvin Ridley as his two receivers, Dalton Schultz tight end, Ramondre Stevenson in the flex spot with the uh, Commander's defense and Riley Patterson. As that kicker. Yeah, I mean, he's looking to do the uh, do the deed and and try and get his first win. Luis Lopez is so we'll see. Luis, I think right now would have to win out if he wants to make the playoffs to go seven yeah. and seven. Yep. So Luis is trying to go from zero and seven to seven and seven to finish off. Um the season here is we pretty much reached this midway point. Um, yeah, let's see that. on my bench. This bench competition is getting really close to who's being that wide receiver two between Jordan Addison, Rasheed Rice is in that mix. Chris Olave's in that mix. Um, yeah, it's that competition is pretty high, but that's one thing that I knew coming into the year that if I had Stefan Diggs as that wide receiver one, there were going to be wide receivers available for that wide receiver two spot if I was going to play three running backs. Yeah. All right, so that's pretty much the matchup going into this week. Finley, who had lost to Kyle this past week, is taking on Brandon Freed this week. So you got Finley at 2-5, and five. Brandon Freed looking to stay above 500 at uh, 4 and. Three. So that's an update there on that matchup. But right now, let's see. Kyle, do we got trivia? 
Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, we do. All right. Kyle's going to take it away with trivia here. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, let's break down uh, some fantasy here. And I know we've been talking about different rosters here, but um, I want you to be essentially the GM of every team's roster. Oh, geez. Okay. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to um, break down the most impacted uh, group from each of our teams here. Okay. You're going to uh, start, bench, or cut one of three right. players, or uh, right. a group of three players, I should say, here. All right. So let's kick things off here. And we are going to start with um, best in the Midwest. So Amber Salas. So your wide receivers here are T. Higgins, Chris Godwin, and Jacoby Myers. Gosh. Um, Cut venture start. I think. Um, I think I start Jacoby Myers. Yep. I think I bench Chris Godwin, and I cut T. Higgins. I think I probably do that. It's solid. I think I would. Chris agree. Godwin. I think it's Chris Godwin is like more like the one A and the one B with Mike Evans in that Bucks offense. Jacoby Myers has seen more work than probably most people expected with Devontae Adams in that Raiders wide receiver room. And, um, you know, T. Higgins, he's been struggling a little bit. Right now, T. Higgins is tight and 60. And obviously, hasn't played um, in every single game. Missed week five. Right. Only has two catches in each of his last three games. On average, it's about four points per game. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so I would uh, cut T. Higgins there. Yeah, that's fair. All right. We're going to move on to my team here. And I think this is pretty obvious here. We're going to break down the wide receivers. Jamar Chase. Oh, jeez. A.J. Brown. Oh, gosh. Terry McLaurin. Can I just start both Jamar Chase and A.J. Brown and... Okay, McLaurin. Right. <laughs> Jeez, this one's. St- I think I'd probably go. I think I'd start AJ Brown. Okay. Not only because they traded for him last season. Um, I would bench Jamar Chase. Yeah. And I would cut Terry McLaurin. Yep. I think that's what I do here. I talked about their ranking earlier in the episode. A.J. Brown coming off 30 points this past week, practically, on Sunday Night Football. Um, I love Terry McLaurin as that wide receiver three, though. Yeah. Um, Jamar Chase, on the other hand, um, 15 receptions in week five. Oh, you see, that was the week without two hands. That was the week that uh, Jamar Chase put up 52 fantasy points that included 192 yards and three touchdowns. So I think that's probably why it's it's a close start and a bench though. Right. I mean, that's two. Definitely. All right. We're gonna move on now. Our next matchup: Room 40, Daniel Guerrero, whose name last week was the greatest in the Midwest. Yeah. Taking on Amber Salas. 
<laughs> so there you go. All right. Um, yeah. All right. We're going to get to a few receivers here. Uh, we got Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, and I'm going to throw up Debo Samuel. Ooh. Are they, now, is it when all these players are healthy? Yes. Okay. Because right now, all three are either questionable or out. Yep. <laughs> um, I think I'd start Tyreek Hill. Yep. That's a no-brainer. I would uh, bench Devo Samuel, and it's uh, cut Jalen Waddle. Okay. Because if you're a fantasy owner, I don't want both of those players on my team because only one of them is going to be getting the ball. Right. And so if you got Devo, you know, it gives that option for both Tyreek Hill and Devo to get the ball, especially with the way both players had their unique ways of getting the ball. I mean, we've seen Dio Samuel run the ball and be a rusher. Tyree Kill can easily just be a cheetah and just run past everyone. So yeah. I think I that's probably the way I'd go is Tyree gets the start, Debo gets the bench, and Wild gets the cut. I like that. Alright, well, let's move on now to Bijan Mustard. Down at the bottom. Alright, here we go. Yeah. And here we get, this is a little interesting here. Uh, let's talk about the receivers on this team. Devontae Smith, Cortland Sutton, or CeeDee Lamb? Ooh. I think the difference between bench and cut is going to be pretty pretty close here. But I'm going to start CeeDee Lamb. That's the no-brainer. Yep. High, off, high octane offense in Dallas. That's the no-brainer here. Mm-hmm. Now, who do I bench and who do I cut? Because... Right. Because of the way A.J. Brown's been playing, Devontae Smith has not been getting the uh, type of touches that he should be getting. Um, I mean, he's only caught 10 passes total in his past three games. and has a combined 19.9 fantasy points in those games. Um, geez. Uh, let me look at the stats here. Hmm. I think I probably bench Cortland Sutton. Yep. And cut Devontae Smith. Because at least Cortland Sutton, he's getting the volume. Yeah. Cortland Sutton, 19.6 fantasy points last week. Um, does have five touchdowns on the year, including... Four in the last five weeks. Yep. Has at least, let's see, four catches through 46 and a touchdown against the Chiefs in week six in Kansas City. Caught all six of his catches, or six of his passes thrown to him for 76 yards and a touchdown for 19-6. So I think I'd lean towards Cortland Sutton there over Devontae Smith. Yep. Nice pick there. All right, we're going to go with uh, the Las Vegas Limos here. This is the team that you're facing this week. And uh, we can go a couple different directions here, I think. Um, but we're, we're going to go running back. Why not? Yeah, let's go running back. We got Ramondre Stevenson, Josh Jacobs, and Austin Eckler. Oh, jeez. Um, hmm, this is difficult here. Could you add in the role that Zeke has had? 
in that Patriots offense. But when you really think about it, it's not that much. I mean, even though Zeke scored that touchdown, that rushing touchdown at the in the goal line, still not that much between the staff share. Right. I still think you start Austin Eckler. That's another no brainer like C D Lamb. Um hmm. Let me let's pull up the scoring. I think you I'll give the nod to Josh Jacob as a bench in heading Ramondre Stevenson. Nice, I agree. All right, let's move on to Obi Wan Mahomey, Brandon Free. And he has a pretty interesting roster here, I think, overall. But we are going to go with, I think, uh, running back here once again. A couple interesting options you can go with here overall. Daryl Henderson, Miles Sanders, Joe Mixon. Oh. Okay, now these are Devin's top three projected running backs here in this week. How am I grading this for this week only or for the rest of the season? I think rest of the season. Okay. It's fair. Rest of the season. Um, now these are... I think you start Joe Mixon. Yeah. Just because the volume is wide open among that running back room. Miles Sanders has to compete with Chuba Hubbard. Um, so I think that's where that edge is there. And then when you think about Miles Sanders versus Daryl Henderson... I might give this to Daryl Henderson as the bench. Yeah. Because at least for him, even though we've got so many different other other running backs in that Rams room, he still has that league back and he's not he's not on track to lose that role right now. Yeah, he, he knows that offense best for sure. Yep. So mm-hmm. um, So I think I'd bench Daryl Henderson and I would cut Miles Sanders. Solid. All right, we're going to move on now, and we are going to go with our town hoedown, Andrew Finley's team. I'm going to go with running back here once again, Derek Henry, Saquon Barkley, and we are going to uh, throw in uh, Deontay Foreman in there. Why not? Deontay Foreman, part of Kyle's three up after having three touchdowns last week against the Raiders. Yeah. Mm. You start Saquon Barkley. Yeah. That's it for sure. Even though he's questionable this week. Uh is it because of the ankle still? No, the elbow this time. Um let's see now. Derrick Henry's been losing volume to Ty J Spears. And Deontay Foreman's coming off a three touchdown week. It's a lot closer than what you would think probably two weeks ago. Right. I think I still give the nod to Derrick Henry. Yeah. Because I think I'd rather have a 230-pound running back go after a linebacker than Deontay Foreman. So I think Deontay Foreman gets the cut, Derrick Henry gets the bench, and Saquon gets the start. I like that. Solid. All right, our last two teams here, we're going to start with Jason Freund's team laying down the T-law. And right now, I think... um, if there's really any any option I can go with here, man, I mean, it, it's got to be wide receiver. Amon Ross St. Brown, 
You got Christian Kirk. And we're going to go with DJ Moore here as well. Oh. Okay, another hard decisions here. You start the Sun God. That's plain and simple. I'm going to bench Christian Kirk and cut DJ Moore here. I feel like all these three, these three players are each wide receiver ones in their own teams. Um, especially what it feels like. But I think having that quarterback play between Tyson Bajon versus Trevor Lawrence, I think, becomes the difference maker. So start Amon Ross St. Brown, bench Christian Kirk, and cut DJ Moore. All right. And our last team here, Team Lobster, Jack Momud, who, uh, by the way, covering the, the mass shooting over in Maine right now. So hoping he stays safe out there. And uh, uh, make sure you go follow him at Jay Molman on Twitter. Make sure uh, you stay uh, informed of what's happening over there. Uh, he's doing a great job right now covering what's going on over there. Um, honored to be in a fantasy league with him, obviously. Uh, great guy as well, and uh, he's got a great roster. And uh, let's break it down here, and let's get into our, uh, I think, wide receiver room here once again, Revan. And this is pretty interesting. We got Cooper Cup, Devontae Adams, and we're going to go with Hollywood Brown. This one is a little difficult here because we've seen Cooper Cup make his return um, from injured reserve from earlier in the season. I still think you start Cooper Cup despite last week's down week of just 6.9 fantasy points. Yeah. Um. All, right, all these players, they had down weeks last week. Devontae Adams is 12.7. Hollywood Brown 7.9. I would bench Devontae Adams, though. I mean, this guy, Devontae Adams, you know, one of the best wide receivers in our game right now. And yeah. it's really hard to go against that. And so I think I'd cut Marquise Brown. I think the offense is a little bit better in Vegas anyway. Yeah. Um, Even without that quarterback play. So I'd still take Devontae Adams. Yeah, I agree for sure. All right, there you have it. That's trivia for the day going through – uh, our fantasy football teams in our league and going uh, uh, our, our selections of select, you know, start, bench, cut. That's what it comes down to. All right. So that's pretty much going to do it for us here on uh, in uh, this week's episode of Down the Line. Remember, the World Series starts on Friday. Uh, starts tomorrow. So we're, like I mentioned, we're less than 20, we're about 24 hours away from first pitch actually 25 hours away from first pitch we're gonna talk we'll talk more fantasy football we'll see if kyle's trade with devin watley goes through and the updates surrounding that we'll talk more nfl the status of week eight uh begins in about an hour um with the buffalo bills um playing um we'll also talk uh, like I mentioned, fantasy football, how our week eight teams go, if I can get to 500 over the Las Vegas limos, if Kyle can retain first place and get a two-game lead in our standings. So we'll talk about all that and more next week on Down Line. We thank you for tuning in, and we hope you listen next week. <laughs>